And welcome to another episode of Whiskey and Wisdom. Uh, joined as always with my dear friends, Benjamin Fogry and Jonathan Eric Norwood. We are excited to kick off some new topics on this episode. We just wrapped up our six part series. Can you believe that was six parts? Man, that felt like a while. All right. It was. Six, six part series on um, the doctrines of grace. And that gives you a great foundation on our, our theological viewpoints individually and why we believe what we believe. If you missed any of that, go back and check it out. Um, but we, we are good times. Absolutely. We are diving into some new topics today and I'm going to let Benjamin introduce this topic today for today's episode. Today's, today's premise is the idea of calling versus calling. And that is uppercase C calling versus lowercase C calling. Basically that the idea came about when we were, uh, when we met for the first time back, it was July, 2019. Yes. Um, before the pandemic hit, before the yep. dark times, um, <laughs> it was yeah, it was when the dinosaurs roamed, right? Well, like, no, no, it was no, a crazy time. So it was. And now every and now every, anyone listening to this in like 2023 is going to go, oh yeah, well, yeah. There was this I pandemic remember. thing happening. I don't remember. remember That's when why we we're lived... not all in the same room. That's you understand why the recording has this all in different places. Back in the days when we didn't realize this was on the radar. Uh, no, so this was one of the ideas that said, hey, let's start a podcast, because basically we were just lambasting the Christian culture around us, as we often do, because, hey, that's what godly people like to talk about. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we were particularly, um, I will say, disturbed by this notion of cheapening the idea of calling, because very few times does the scriptures actually speak of vocational calling. And now it tells us how to conduct ourselves amongst our vocational calling. But the, the main point of calling versus calling, uppercase C calling is how do we live? And that is, in, in my opinion, we'll elaborate, it's basically the pursuit of holiness, of being in Christ. That's what we're called to do. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And our vocational calling, that lowercase C calling, fits into this. It is very much a part of our walk. But we do not neglect anything from our uppercase C calling to accomplish our lowercase C calling. Um, and as we can talk about later, I will, I will say I'll, as a little teaser, if you are taking away from your uppercase C, uppercase C calling to accomplish your lowercase C calling, you are not accomplishing anything. Um, you you've stepped then, out of the biblical framework of being a Christian. That's basically what we're going to. That is our premise. Event essentially, no, no small premise there, right? Just drop no. the gauntlet. Uh, but because why if, not? Yeah, it's either right? life or death. So That's right. yeah, put your head in a guillotine, see what happens. Uh, <laughs> the um, sorry, this, this so, is the Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny uh, duck season, rabbit season, duck season, rabbit, rabbit season, season, duck yeah. season. Pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so oh my gosh. But, that's too funny. Guys, I made a Looney Tunes reference on this podcast. I, Don't you hate me yeah. now? No, okay. I am wow. proud of you. Let's pull it back, guys. Getting off the rails. All right. No problem. We haven't even drunk much yet. Yeah, Goodness. Haven't done anything yet. Still, still a minute and a half in, and we're off the rails. All right, it's fine. We're, we're fine. We're fine. This no, is what happens when I introduce the, the things. premise. <laughs> I know you're fired. It's never happening again. I'm never giving you the floor. I'm just kidding. The, the premise is, however, we have a 
call, there is a uni, universal calling of all believers in Christ who, uh, it, and it is not negotiable. And that is a, above your vocational calling. And I think what we were all frustrated when we first met, mm-hmm. um, that has led to this podcast. So praise God for it. But what we were frustrated with is we were in a friend circle in New York City where we were all um, pursuing working in the entertainment business. And we were noticing most of our friends, their identities were wrapped up in being artists and not in being Christians. So they would say, we're Christian artists. And we go, okay, it seems like the artist part is in front of the Christian part. So it felt more like you're an artist, you're called to be an artist who happens to be a Christian, less than you're called to be a Christian who has chosen to do art for their for their living. Um, and so that that was some of our frustration. So that's the framework we're coming from is that your identity is in Christ, not in what your passion in this life is to do in order to exalt the name of Christ. And they're very different. So your identity is not wrapped up in what you do. Your, your identity is wrapped up in who you are. And that's why we're having this conversation. So I think that's a great way to frame it up. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go. We're going to, we're going to talk through a lot of, um, nuances in that. We're going to have debate. We're going to, we're going to talk through a lot of things, old Testament, new Testament, all those kind of things. This, this might be a longer episode than some, but let's start. We're, we're going to need a drink for sure. So let's yeah. get a drink <laughs> before we dive into this one. Um, so I'll kick it off. What I'm drinking is, um, again, one of, one of my favorite Irish whiskeys. Um, And I just love the decanter. It's just such a fabulous shape, decanter. Sexton, uh, single malt Irish whiskey. And it's delightful. It is smooth. It is nutty. Hints of almond. um, Hints of black cracked black pepper, uh, herbs, and butterscotch. I mean, it's just a wonderful, it's smooth. It doesn't burn going down. And it's only like, I think, $27 for this whole this whole decanter it's very affordable and um it's just delightful it's one of those things i always want stocked in the bar like i never i never want to run out of sexton i never want to run out of stranahan's and uh, a light so yeah okay hey shameless plug get yourself a bottle of sexton and um it's it's just great it's you will you will love it even if you're not like a big whiskey drinker this is just great for cocktails great to have in your bar and it's it's an all-around smooth um smooth whiskey it's not going to burn um etc so it's not heavy heavy on the alcohol um it's 80 proof so um that's me so you guys are up go for it i'll be the weird one in the middle uh because again i haven't gotten a new whiskey in a little bit so i didn't want to bore you guys with the same stuff i've always had so oh it's I've fine got... we're bored with you regardless so don't Thank worry you. about it okay i'm so loved <laughs> i have uh some beer here uh i've got uh Troeg's independent brewery uh perpetual ipa so it's ipa indian pale ale uh perpetually it... yeah perpetually yes yeah. indeed it doesn't change Nope. What Oy. kind of beer it is? Perpetual Oy. motion just always goes. Oy very. You can drink it and Oy drink very. it and drink it and it never ends. I just said oy very. The beer Oy-ve. that never ends. Oy vey to saying oy very. Um, okay, so the the description on it says cycling through our hot back vessel and dry hopping method this bold imperial pale ale emerges rife with sticky citrus rind, pine balm, and tropical fruit. And you're like, hmm. Right. It's an IPA. 
from what I from what I sense of it, it's an IPA that's a bit bitter. Um, as they tend to be. As they tend to be. But I like it, my IPAs I, like I like my women. All bitter. <laughs> no comment. Um, and uh, it's, uh, but I can tell it. Come on, Easter meets Proverbs again. <laughs> but I can tell it's. Um, don't date a bitter woman. Just don't do it. All right, go ahead. It, 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 the things on the side of the can kind of liken up to what it tastes like, okay? I, I'm, this is the first time I've ever had it, and I think it's decent. So it's not the best oh, IPA yeah, I've ever good. had, but I think it's decent. So there we go. Yeah. And I'm making Ben so laugh so hard he's crying over there. Just, so that's, just, that's a good one. It's just a little tear. It's just <laughs> a little tear right in the eye. I made him like, no, cry, and I, I made Jonathan completely stutter on his words because he didn't know what to say after that. So a win for me, one in the column. Go. <laughs> um, anyway, all right. Moving Wait, on, Ben. What are you drinking, man? Stranahan's <laughs> or enough, something else? That. That's what. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. I gotta catch up. Go ahead. <laughs> Seriously. So I'm drinking some Tullamore Dew um, in Ooh. celebration of St. Patrick's Day. That was last week. Okay. Um, you know, another classic Irish whiskey. Uh, she's sweet. She's delightful. Um, you know, as most uh, Irish whiskeys are. A little bit of that caramel. A little bit of that vanilla. A little bit of a just a tiny little bit of spice. Um, this is a triple distilled. This is not a copper pot um, distillation as many other uh, Irish whiskeys are. So she's not as peppery, not as smoky or peaty, um, mm -hmm. but very sweet, very smooth, um, very delightful. Um, Tullamore Dew is one of the best, um, I will say mid-shelf um, Irish whiskeys you can get. Um, they offer several different sizes, so we can range from um, like 15 bucks all the way to 50 for different size bottles. Um, and she's just great to have. It's just it's a it's a strong solid whiskey. So good, awesome. Wrote that one down. Fantastic. See, you keep educating Jonathan over here. He's got a he's got like an Excel spreadsheet of different. Um, is it an Excel spreadsheet? No, Am I wrong? Okay. No, you're wrong. It's a it's a note <laughs> document uh, of, of the different dates from different episodes, and I've gotten okay. different stuff written down. Nice. So like, don't worry, folks. One day he'll have an Excel spreadsheet, and it'll be categorized. He'll just be like, oh, ascending and, and descending. Do like it by date. Do it by yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, and one but of these we, days, we'll actually we have, do a podcast and, together. There we go. But we'll drink the same darn thing. Hey, yeah, everybody. I'm telling you, we got to do it. We got to get a, a, a some kind of deal where we can go to somebody's distillery or somebody's bar or something, actually shoot an episode in, in location, because uh, that would be super fun. Anyway, we're going to have to wait until the vaccines all get, you know, taken care of or whatever. I don't know, uh, whatever it is that they're doing. <laughs> um, cool. So... Back into the, I just, every time I hear something on the news, I'm just like, I, Hamilton plays in my head, you know, like I heard a thing today and I was just like, you don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> just like every time I'm just like, they say they're going to do something and I go, you don't have the votes. Anyway, sorry. Uh, it's, I, I just have that in my head every time I hear the news cycle. I'm just like, this Hamilton just plays in the background. It's funny. All right. And that's when you know that we're uh, we're uh, artists who were in New York City. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, I, I I auditioned for the show. I did I did the audition. I played for the pit. Did that whole thing. Yeah, whatever. It's okay. All right. 
Um, so it's a great show. I love Hamilton. It's great. I'm, I'm not, I lived I'm, in Washington Heights. A, it's not a political statement. It just, it's just a joke because I, I just have too many Hamilton songs in my head. Um, but if you want us to talk about politics, please email us at. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And let us know the point of view that you agree with so we don't offend you. Got it. Um, nah. <laughs> I want to offend people. <laughs> Uh, well, this is why I'm on the show. <laughs> it's a lot easier to do than make everyone happy. So, yeah, you, and it's a lot more fun. <laughs> Boy, a- anytime I say anything, there's a I, I have offended someone. So it's a lot easier than making uh, people happy. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's move on. So we getting into the, the topic. <laughs> let's talk yeah. about the Bible. Yeah. Awesome. Um, oh, gosh. Let's get into the topic. I'm gonna start it off with um, two foundational verses that I think. Um, talk about both what we're calling large C calling and small C calling and and how we handle this. So I think these are going to be two doctrinal statements for us as far as where we're going. And then we can expound upon this and, and, and take it wherever we choose to take it. But I'm going to start with um, vocational calling. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you do, make sure you do it as unto the Lord. And then I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And I think that what wraps up what the calling of every Christian is the will of God for you as a Christian is your sanctification completed in your holiness. And so those are my two premises as far as doctrinal statements for what do we do as for what are we called to do with our vocation? We're called to do everything as unto the Lord for the glory of God. And what are we called to do as Christians? We are called to God's will for us as Christians is our sanctification which ultimately culminates in our holiness. So those are my two premises. I submit those to you, gentlemen, and um, you may agree, disagree, and pontificate and expound. It's a good base. I, my thinking face is on, as you can probably tell. he needs know. time to think. Ben, what do you think? Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I think, I'm just yeah. kidding. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, Go ahead, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm, yep, I missed that. I, I, I thought it was done. Um, it seemed, I want to broaden the base a little more. I want to yep. broaden the biblical base a little more than those two verses because, like, the will of God in our lives your sanctification like that's true but there are a bunch of other things that are also the will of god for Mm -hmm. every every christian and so well a lot of them fit into that most Mm -hmm. of them fit into that um but like uh well i was thinking evangelism and evangelism is not necessary i guess it can be viewed as sanctification it can fit under that umbrella too is that sanctifying to you to go and evangelize to others but that's not really the point Uh, yeah that is it is great 
Um, but that's not as much the point of evangelism, but we're all called, you know, in the Great Commission to go and mm -hmm. to make disciples of all nations. So there are yep. some things that don't necessarily fit under that. But I do think, although it might not be all encapsulating, it is a good base to start from and like branch off of. Yeah. Well, it's sort of an argument from uh, a personal sense of a lesser to the greater, right? Mm -hmm. In a general sense, God has called us all to be sanctified. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's how that gets worked out that becomes more personal. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is, um, you know, the scriptures say, do not forsake the gathering. Do not forsake going to church, essentially, to put it in modern words. We must do that. And that's been one of the, the worst things about the pandemic is how many churches have been closed, um, how many churches refuse to open, uh, how many churches can open and stuff like that. We all get the sense of we are not fulfilling what God has called us to do. Zoom is one thing. Small community groups is another. Um, but there's something missing when we don't gather together. And that's because God created us to be together. He's, he's created us to be communal beings, to socialize, to edify, and to encourage one another. Do not forsake the gathering. Well, outside of a pandemic, there's no excuse not to. There's, we have no excuse. That is part of the uppercase C calling. It's for our sanctification. It's for God's glory. It is for us to draw near to him because he has said he will be there. That's, you know, again, using the example of church, we, we must. And it's a, it's a joyful duty to attend church. Sometimes it's an awful pain in the butt when you don't like the church, but it's our duty. And it's, it is sanctifying to us. Uh, which is what exactly God commands us for us to be sanctified. Yeah. So as an aside to what you just said, what do you do when you don't like the church? Well, you submit for starters, because that's where God has placed you. Um, maybe, and then, maybe he didn't place you there. Maybe you ended up there on your own. I mean, um, no, no, God put you there. I'm sorry. Even if you just wandered in, God put you there. Okay. We're talking about God's providence. It doesn't matter if you're happy with it. Touché. If you're there, God put you there. Touché. All right. If you said, ah, oh, by Jove, I don't like this place. I'm going to go there. God put you there. End of story. Yeah. Uh -huh. If you're there, God put you there. But if you, but you can decide whether or not you want to. If it's not the there. right church for you to go to, go to. Well, okay. I, I would submit yeah. if, it, if, if you don't believe the church is the right church for you to be in, you have two choices. You either move, you leave and you go to a different mm -hmm. church. Right. Or you stay and you use all of your, uh, all of your agency, whatever agency mm -hmm. you might have, whether you're a leader, whether you're a lay person, whether you go to a small group, what you use yeah. all of your agency at your disposal mm -hmm. to prayerfully reform yes. where you can. And no, so absolutely. either you reform it because it's off base and you stay. And then where you don't have agency to fix, you don't complain. Um, exactly. Or you say, I cannot be a part of this because it is not in your view biblical. Then you leave and go find a church you believe is more biblical. Yeah. Those are your options. Yes, exactly. 
No, I was going to get there. I just had to refute uh, whether or not God put me there because God did. Um, but no, whether it's chicken or the egg, egg, my friend. No, that's not <laughs> I'm how it works. Kidding. I'm just kidding. It's not how it works. We, we covered this. It. We covered this in we the did. last six episodes. We know. You're just being wrong. So let's yeah, just, just end it there. <laughs> but um, no, so, so no, but honestly, if you are in a church that you do not think is preaching the gospel, why are you there? Right. That's something you have to ask yeah. if you're not happy with it, because in my case, I'm just stuck at home and I want to be out. Well, it's not necessarily anything to do with my church itself. It's just that I'm tired of yeah. being at yeah. my parents' church, essentially. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, um, but no, oh, if, it, if it's an issue of biblical get stuff. Back on, yeah. Get back on topic. I just did that as an aside. Sorry. But mm-hmm. um, back to what we were talking about. I would say mm-hmm. this. Um, uh, to, to Jonathan's point, this is a great foundation, and then it comes out of the roots and goes into branches and all kinds yes. of things. I would say that's absolutely true. The foundation is, um, you know, the will of God is our sanctification. Now, is everything, now I would submit, everything that God has commanded us to do as Christians are instruments of our sanctification through either uh, direct or passive means active or passive means. And so it, to, to differing things, right? Um, th- pretty much all of the 10 commandments are for our sanctification, right? Even though Old Testament still, still for our sanctification, the, 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 the command of keeping the Sabbath holy and always having rhythms of Sabbath in your life is, is an instrument of sanctification for you. And um, community is an instrument of sanctification, right? You two guys are, are helping to sanctify me where I'm off base and I'm doing the same for you. And so there's, there's this, you know, don't forsake the assembly of yourself because your brothers and sisters are instruments of God's grace in your life to sanctify you. Your wife, right? The institution of marriage is for sanctification. The institution of, if you choose not to marry and being single is an instrument of, of mm. sanctification. So, Okay, but you're either married or single. You don't have other options. So you're not in um, between. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody's on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, so forth, right? Yeah. I, would, I would also submit this will be controversial for today's culture. If you were born male, God ordained for you to be male. If you were born female, God ordained for you to be female. And, and that ordination is a process of sanctification in your Christian yeah. life as well. Being a Christian woman is different than being a Christian man, and they are differing processes to bring both of you to holiness. Yeah. And so, I mean, I could do a whole episode on that, but mm. um, I'm just trying to make a point that everything in God's providence and the, the, the structures that he's created for the church, for the body, for Christians, for, for the world, everything there, either by uh, what we call um, you know, uh, common grace, even common graces are an, an act of uh, our sanctification. Yeah. So well, everything outside of that. Yeah. We, are you saying ordinary means? Is that something you ordinary, like ordinary? Yeah. Like just the things that God has placed in our lives. Uh, the, yeah. I mean, like, sorry. Yeah. It just sounded like that was sort of what you're going for as well. Um, uh, Hmm. Yeah, the, the ordinary means of life of that he uses mm-hmm. to sanctify you rather than like yeah. God showing up and being like, hey, challenge with this and throws down a gauntlet of something you didn't Precisely. see. Coming. Yeah, yep. the, the miraculous is a rarity, right? Mm-hmm. It's an outlier. Right. That's why it's miraculous. 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the point. Yeah. Right. That's the point. It's, it's, it's a statistical outlier. If we're going to talk in terms of, you know, mathematics or whatever, it, mm-hmm. a, a miracle is a, is an, is an unknown entity that God can use those to, to, you know, course correct yeah. you and create sanctification, but more often than not, he uses daily faithfulness. And mm-hmm. so those daily faithful, those, those processes of daily faithfulness, right getting up, doing your devotions, reading your Bible, the people in your life, being kind to those around you, having your brothers and sisters around you, having all of those things, your wife, your, your friends, they're all processes of grace in your life to sanctify you and bring you closer to holiness. Um, I don't need to harp on that too much more, yeah. but you guys can take it wherever you want. Yeah. I, I, uh, I had a thought because you shared the verse of first uh, Thessalonians four verse three, yep. for this is the will of God, your sanctification. I went, I wonder what's around that. Cause I, yeah, that's always, a how lot. I go. there's a <laughs> lot of like, if anyone's really curious about this topic, reading verse one through like 12 is a really good chunk that sets up this a lot. You guys mind if I just read that? Just bit? go ahead. Yeah, Please. go ahead. Cause the whole All thing right. is called a life pleasing to God in my Bible. That's the heading Same. I have. Yeah. yeah. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is a, there's a colon here. It's not Mm -hmm. a period. It's a colon. Mm -hmm. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgresses and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of very bold stuff like... Will of God, your sanctification, colon, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That's a hard thing for a lot of people to do. Mm. Like, and that's the first thing that he says. And then controlling his own body in holiness and honor, not in passions of lust. Don't transgress and wrong your brother in this way. Like, don't disregard it. But then he goes on to the bit later on of urging them to exercise brotherly love and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So there's a sense of like being dependent on no one. That's good. Living quietly and peacefully and minding your own affairs, working with your own hands, simple lives is good. We don't all have to be the next fill in the blank famous artist or pastor or preacher like it's not as much we can have vocational callings and some of us will have vocational callings that will lead us to be more in the spotlight but we're called to just aspire to live quietly if god exalts you he exalts you but it's better to live humbly and 
to be exalted than to try to pursue a high place and God brings you down to humble you. Yeah. So that's an interesting segue too, right? Because now we can get into the small C calling, the, the vocational thing. Interesting that you just read all that because what he says, is this the will of God for you, your sanctification? And then the colon and all of this stuff that he says after the colon are processes of sanctification in your life, right? And the final thing he says is work with your hands, right? So um, work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders being dependent on no one, right? And so now let's talk about what does it mean to biblically work with your hands and whatever God has given you to do for your, for your living, right? Um, because I think, and I think both, all of us agree, the idea of vocational calling has been so elevated by the church that now people are like, what am I, I got to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life. And now you got to honor God with what I'm going to do with my life. And it's like, well, you don't honor God before he even tells you what to do before, <laughs> with your life. So, you know, you already got the cart before the horse. And, um, so interesting, just, you know, let's kind of segue into that and talk about now what it says in Colossians, um, whatever you do in word or do you do is unto the Lord. Yeah, I mean, you, you brought up a good point there of um, working with your hands in this context, it seems to me to be most primarily about just sustaining your own needs working yeah. so that you're providing for your own needs and so you're not relying on um the generosity of other christians you're not relying on other things like that but that way you're you're just working to pro provide for yourself and for your family and yeah. however that plays out and so it's very it, a lot of places in the scriptures are primarily they primarily just talk about like working to make a living yeah. basically working so you can pay your bills and like and there if are you, if you yeah. don't care for your family if you a man who doesn't care for his family is worse than an invalid that's what it says right so as christians says worse we, than a non-believer worse than a non yeah invalid is the old the old old words right I no, think it the, there's one no there's there's like king james or something where oh, well, that that's an improper translation worse than your term, but. okay well, because you know, if we're talking about someone who's just incapable of working, that's not a fault against them. Yeah, this is this is a, a volition right. to not work. I'm right. Sorry, I have the yeah. old. That's what I grew up memorizing, King mm -hmm. James. So I just have the old language of "you're worse than an invalid" in my head. I'm not saying you're. I agree with you. Yes, you're. You're right. Worse than an unbeliever is probably a better uh, translation. Yeah, and yeah. he who does not work shall not eat. Isn't that their right. point? Oh, uh, yeah. Isn't that in there yep. as well? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, so there's a sense to which it's, New Testament's very clear in the epistles. Hey, it's good for you guys to work. Like, yep. a, let a so. thief like work, go and work with their own hands, so that they may no longer be tempted to steal because they have something. Like that's uh, Ephesians four or five, I think. Um, and so four. Um, but yeah, so that's a really, that's very clear in the New Testament when it comes to vocation. Yeah. Very, uh, very few times. I can't even, I'm not sure I can think of one example in the New Testament where, or especially like the epistles, uh, where it's going, okay, now this person, I want you to be a tanner. 
Like, I want you to be mm -hmm. uh, fill in the blank of an exact trade. Paul just right. picked up tent making or something. Like he knew he tent did. making, so he did yeah. it in the midst of preaching the gospel and going everywhere. Um, and, yep. and yet, yeah, go ahead and take it. And to, be, to jump on that, I, I just had a thought about that too. Well, what you just read in 1 Thessalonians, right? In verse 12, uh, 4.12, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one, okay? And then there's a place. So, so God does not expect that you're going to, um, mooch on other people or that mm. because you were called to do a certain task like I want to be an artist I should be paid a fair wage to be an artist not biblically you're not biblically you need to figure out how to go make enough money for yourself and if your side hustle is being an artist okay then you're really a waitress I mean that's just the way it is like um, yeah just I just I said it so sorry um, well we, we can we can delve into that because but, I think part of that problem it's that you are titling her as a waitress or because you said waitress. Um, well, the way that you're making, <laughs> I don't your think money, a guy's ever a waitress. Okay. The, problem well, is it, it's the way that you're making your money is you're a server. Well, okay. No, hold on. This is the problem of elevating vocation. Yeah. Because in a sense, it's a vocation. I'm a waitress. Um, but, but what I'm accomplishing is art or whatever. I'm it is. an artist, but it's one of those in, in a sense, like neither one of those is important. Uh, what's more important is how are you living your life out and what's bringing about edification to others. Um, so in a sense, uh, it's a both end. It's one of those, yeah. someone approaches you, what are you? It's like, well, it's complicated because vocationally, I'm a server or in my case, or was my case, shoe salesman. Uh, but I'm an artist. I'm trying to create art. That is <clears throat> the the purpose that I want to accomplish that I feel God has called me to. Mm -hmm. Um I think that's a little bit more nuanced because I think what you just played into is the ideal of elevating vocation to a higher standard than what scripture ever says it is. I mean, just as uh, Jonathan was saying, uh, very seldom do we actually find a passage, particularly in the New Testament, of someone being called just to do something vocationally. It's always whatever your vocation be, do it as for the Lord. Yeah, that's what it is. And here's here's the other thing. The the only time I think we ever hear about a vocation specifically being called out is in reference to being a pastor. I think that's the only time Paul ever references a calling in a specific sense outside of uppercase C calling. Yeah, because well, he says God well, has called say, you to be. Let's yeah. say this too, right? Okay, Paul himself was a tent maker by trade, and that's what mm -hmm. he says of himself. But he'll open his his letters often saying, Paul, an apostle of, of Christ, right, called by God. And so called by God to be an apostle, that's not how he made his money. In fact, he so didn't, why, his churches so why, didn't even support him. He, so did, he, he felt you, it was wrong to take money from the churches. So he was a tent maker by trade. So he had a side hustle to make his money, but his calling from God was to be an apostle. But that's not, yeah. he didn't get paid for it. And yet it's an interesting thing. He makes arguments a bit saying like, I would deserve to be paid for it. And yep. I could, it would be right for me to be paid for it. I'm sure. I don't all, want anyone all, to deprive me of my ground of boasting that I'm not getting paid for it because right. I don't want you to be able to claim that I was doing it for the, for your money. Yep. And that, and, that was his And point. he also says all the other apostles are paid to be apostles. Yeah. Except him. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. And, and he doesn't lambast that. He just goes that I want to be even more because 
Paul never was content. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then he said, I learned to be content in all things. Yes. So yeah, that's true. I yeah, guess he was fair. content. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> no, um, so, so part of it, I think, but this is what I think you guys are talking about. And I think this is important because I think it's, I don't want to put errors upon myself, but I think deeper than with the surface level of what you're saying is that what is this higher calling that we are called to vocationally? Because if Paul can call himself, I'm an apostle, and yet vocationally, I'm a tent maker, then shouldn't we call an artist who is a waitress or a shoe salesman or whatever they may be, an actor or an actress or an artist of whatever sort? Because isn't that their higher calling? Because I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm not, in a sense, I'm not, go ahead. Yeah, I would say, in a sense, who cares? Yes, in a sense, exactly. I don't care how you're making your money. I want to know how you're living your life out because Paul is fulfilling that uppercase C calling by being an apostle. I think this is sort of where the two meet and it's in that uh, the apostleship in, in, in a daily sense of the call to be a pastor, the call to be a, pas mm -hmm. a pastor and shepherd is that that's sort of the magnificent bridging of the two. But anyone who is not called to be an apostle or a pastor, our calling is never as explicit or clear as laid out in the scriptures and particularly the new testament um mm. but I and what we were responding to particularly when we were surrounded by a lot of artists in the city is that they were elevating their call to be an artist by denigrating by lowering down whatever job it was they had mm -hmm. vocationally mm -hmm. and like they paid it no mind conversationally and yep. they were saying, this is the great calling that God has called me to, to be an artist. I'm like, no, God's called you to himself. That's the greatest calling that's you right. will ever receive. And, and that, that's particularly what we're responding to. But in a general sense, um, and th this is why it all comes from humility. This is why it all comes from recognizing who we are in Christ. Is that God's called me to himself. God's called me to pursue a passion of artistry. But he gave me shoe selling to let me get by to allow and you to praise to me. allow you to pursue that exactly right and the thing that's is i should never denigrate grace. exactly right and that's the thing is that vocationally do i refer to myself as a shoe salesman or an artist well if we're just talking monetarily speaking honestly i should probably say shoe salesman unless i made a great big buck off of a movie or something like that right uh, but it's one of those that there is it's not as simple as that it's particularly when you look at Paul being a tent maker. Um, I think it's only fair to denigrate someone when they're being stupid to show the folly of their ways. Um, but I, th I think until you are only until your vocation simply is one thing, who cares about identity if our identity is in Christ? Right. Because I mean, and particularly nowadays with the pandemic. I mean, you could be 15 different things and not an artist. Right. Even though that's your greatest desire. Even though your heart's desire. But see, we're led by our heart. Yeah. It's I, I yeah. need to follow my heart. And my heart tells me I'm an artist. Well, your wallet yeah. doesn't. <laughs> Nor does your resume. <laughs> Nor does your resume. Yeah, right. So here, so here's the thing. I have a day job. I have a day job. Yeah. The day job is a means of grace for me to be able to pursue the other things God has called me to do. Mm -hmm. And also, while I'm in the day job, I am also called to work diligently, work yeah. hard, do it to the best of my ability, be an example to all the other unbelievers that I'm working with, mm -hmm. how to do a job well, how to treat my teammates well, how to 
how to be a beacon of light, right? And that that all goes into it. It's not, you can't separate these identities, okay? I'm Brian Ames, but I'm Brian Ames the Christian. I'm Brian Ames the guy who works for a company. I'm Brian Ames who has his own business. I'm Brian Ames who's a piano player. I'm Brian Ames who, all and they're all identities that God has given me and they're all gifts of grace. And so what I was trying to balk at in saying, no, you're, you're a waitress or no, you're a server or whatever, because that's how you make your money is this entitlement factor that because Precisely. you're called, because people think I'm called to be an artist, therefore I'm entitled to a salary. And, and I no, want to you're not. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. And so Precisely. I'm using the, where do you make your money as a way of saying that's not true. Not to say that you aren't a legitimate artist, but what I'm saying is, is your identity is not made up in being an artist and your identity is not made up in the entitlement to being paid to do your vocation as you see fit. Your entitlement is to be a Christian and you're in, and that is to be a Christian in every area. So it doesn't matter if you're a babysitter or a waitress or um, work for a car salesman or shoe sales or whatever it is that you do, even though your heart tells you I'm an artist. Like, okay, great. But your heart should tell you you're a Christian. Right. Certainly. I, yeah. and I think one one primary thing that helps me with this is in walking in the Christian life, we all know walking in prayer. We all know reading the word and hearing God and his Holy Spirit in our lives. And that can be in hearing, listening to him and like sensing what he's saying that can be in being encouraged by others who are believers. It can be in a lot of through a lot of different means of how God provides leading and direction in our lives. And he does that commonly um, by the walking of his spirit and his children. He does that commonly for individual Christians. So we see that and we go, all right, well, he can in that be genuinely leading you. Hey, you need to go pursue musical theater. This is your thing. Go for it. Go now. And you go, all right. And he blesses it. I had a case where in high school, I, uh, growing up, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And in like top of junior year of high school, God was like, all right, musical theater, this thing that you've known for like a year or so, and you have talent, go. This is the thing that I've like made you to do, go do it. And I go, okay. And he gets me into a really good school. And I'm like, a couple really good schools. And I'm like, what? This is God blessing this out of the wazoo. Crazy. I go to this school and I meet the woman who I end up marrying. And then I move to New York after that and pursue it. And then the pandemic hits. And a now couple I'm, losers start a podcast. Right. Now, I, yeah, exactly. Now yeah. I'm living outside of Philadelphia, working in processing people's refinances. Like that's not what I thought I would be doing. That's not what I was going to be aiming to be doing. But and so if God put me in a musical theater and did all that just so yeah. that I would go to Carnegie Mellon University and be right next to where I would meet my wife, that would be enough. But yeah. in this time here, it seems like he's encouraging me. Hey, it's a not yet, not a no. Yeah. So like there will be a day when you're, that's going to come back. And I want you to live in that, in that tension. Certainly. And so there's the, and yet right now, when people ask me, what, what's your thing? I'm like, it's a little complicated. I, <laughs> then you go, I'm an actor who's not acting because pandemic. And then everyone's like, oh, okay. Um, 
but the longer that the more it's like acting not acting because i'm not <laughs> the more awkward it becomes yeah yeah, yeah. no I, th- I think that that's a great point because it's one of those how do we understand our lowercase c calling um I right. think, you know, I think it, some of it, we're trying to, um, a lot of people struggle with that because we are told we have to have a clear direction. Like someone hears your story and goes like, wow, I wish my story was that clear. Right. Because uh, it, it's a wonderful thing that God systematically put these things in your life that not only led you to musical theater, but provided for you to get the education for it and started to pursue a career in that. Yeah. And God has by no means as of yet said, that's it. Because based off your experience, it's perfectly safe to assume God's going to continue it. Right. But God is God and his ways are higher and better than our ways. So this could be it, but that's okay because you are faithful to following God. And, and because marriage God has, is an upper KC calling. If it, it ends up is, having to yeah. prioritize my marriage over prioritizing like that vocational calling being my main breadwinning yeah. vocation, sorry. Yeah. Oh man. What's so that? I got I got to jump on that one right there because <laughs> you you just set set that up beautifully. Marriage is a large C calling. It's given singleness or marriage is given to every believer. So before everybody goes, hey, but there's single people out there. Yes, there are. Yes, a calling. Okay. So about. <laughs> about but statistically it's less than 10 percent of people don't get married about 90 percent of people get married right so that's are married at some point in their life so marriage is the overwhelming calling for the majority of christians and we live in a culture that says you put your marriage off until you're well into your 30s you don't find a spouse you don't worry about any of that you are cutting off a massive gift of sanctification in your life because you're not willing to marry because you have prioritized your vocational small c calling over the overwhelming fact that in the Bible, marriage is a calling of the believers, right? Be fruitful and multiply. That was the first great commission, right? And and in the New Testament, we see how uh, the dynamic of husband and wife looks like Christ in the church and the husband and wife sanctify each other in different ways through that relationship, right? And so, it is not, but we have this culture in the church that says we put that off until we get our careers where we want them. So what you've done is made it your career an idol and said, I'm going to remove this category that's blatant in scripture that the believers get married and put it off because you care more about doing the thing that is your passion. And I, anyway, I would be bereft if I didn't bring that up, but well that that's that's a thing how much are people losing out on their sanctification by skipping marriage by saying i'm in a good relationship but i gotta dump you because my career um, yep um, i can yeah. tell you based off my career um i probably would do better if i had a wife that kind of sucks <laughs> most, as i most, live at my parents house again. Do. most exactly most you men put, are most men are more successful after they get married than before they're married exactly yeah maybe it's because of the drive to provide and to accomplish something i, I think that has uh-huh. something to do with something to say something about, to say yeah. about that yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. also if and also in this day and age when the wife is also often working then you have combined income but like yeah. same living expenses same as expenses. you had before yeah. right 
so more shoes for me your ability to save goes up your ability to and it's just and you don't need more shoes you have more abundance (laughs) anyway um it's god's sanctification yeah god sanctifies me through shoes he absolutely does it's a gift of common grace (laughs) (laughs) see i'm saving souls literally oh my god all right there we go. That was the, that was right. the comedic relief. In the so let's. Um, I I know we we said we're going to talk through some places in Scripture where people yes. had, um, you know, callings from God to do certain things, and um, how that all played out. So I have several that come to mind, but I think the biggest one is is literally Moses, right? Sure. So Moses, let's just look at Moses's life, right? And this goes great with what Jonathan said too about how he had this uh, passion in his heart to go do musical theater. Doors were open to do it. And then all of a sudden circumstances changed and now it's not available. Well, that happened to Moses, right? Moses he wanted was, to pursue musical theater too. That's right. He exactly. wrote I mean, a musical theater show and he wrote The Prince of Egypt. I the Prince of Egypt. There, it's coming to Broadway. So there you mm-hmm. go. Uh, um, the the, the oh my gosh okay that's gonna be great. Oh, sorry. now we're gonna point, go off and talk yeah. about those songs aren't plug, we? we're plugging we're plugging steven schwartz we're plugging him okay yes, got it the <laughs> the point uh, i was gonna make is um he was you know adopted by the daughter of pharaoh raised as a prince of egypt right goes and kill then he's his heart is broken for his own people the hebrew people and he wants to free them he goes he sees one of his hebrew brothers being mistreated he kills the guy murders him goes the next day sees the fact that this guy um now now two of his hebrew brothers are infighting he tries to break it up and he said what are you going to kill me like you killed the the egyptian and he flees and then what does the bible say 40 years go by mm-hmm. 40 years he was 40 at that moment 40 years go by and what does he do? He lives as a shepherd in his father-in-law's flock. Hint, hint, he got married. Um, and later in life. And later in life, he got married, right? So he, there is hope, he, but that wasn't his calling. He was called to go and free the Hebrew slaves and bring them to the promised land, right? That was his calling. It took him until he was 80 years old to actually started. even start that calling. Mm-hmm. Even though the 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 calling had been given to him in advance. Right? And he turned so it essentially. Yeah, yeah. He goes off for 40 years and lives as a shepherd and has a job he doesn't want. Mm. Right. My calling is an artist, but right now I sell shoes. Right. Yeah. And his calling was to be the prophet that's frees the Hebrew slaves. But right now he's a shepherd and he's stewarding being a shepherd. And then one day he comes along and the Holy spirit appears to him out of a burning bush. And then he starts his actual ministry of what God had called him to do. So I just think sometimes we're given instructions. Sometimes we're not, sometimes we don't know, but you don't know where along your life, the actual thing that God has ordained for you to make the greatest impact in is going to come. And so it is daily faithfulness, right? That, that was the greatest example I could think of as far as Moses, you guys can, I'm sure pull some others. I can think of some others um, as well, but yeah. Yeah. You have a, you have you have a good one, Ben? Uh not at the moment. Go ahead. Uh I'll flip to the New Testament then. Uh the, Ooh, yeah. one example that pops in my brain is Paul. Um because yeah. his call was pretty much like right after he got called to faith. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus shows up and goes, Why have you been persecuting me? Mm-hmm. And he just goes like, 
wait, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what to do. And then, and then uh, later on, when Ananias is talking to the Lord, going back and forth, the Lord said to, to Ananias, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And you're like, okay, so this guy got called, and this is going with some of what Ben was saying earlier, often what we will see in the New Testament in different parts of scripture is we will see specific callings for people to be uh, prophets, to be teachers, pastors, that is like one kind of lowercase c calling that we can kind of see as it's a spiritual call. No one should be going and becoming a pastor unless they sense God's call to become a pastor. Um, that is something that the New Testament's pretty clear about. Yep. You shouldn't go and try to pursue that unless God's calling you to do that. And they're like, okay, it's good, good to know. Yep. But and so there are cases, this, Paul's a very critical case where God's like, okay, I'm going to use you in a very specific way. And he called him and goes, okay, you're going to do this very specific thing. And it's all going to be for my glory. Yeah. And it, he had a very, and it, in a way that stretches the definition of vocation a little bit, but it kind of comes almost vocationally but it's not really paul's an interesting example because he was a tent maker and he, but like other apostles who were also called the apostles follow me yep. they leave they were, your in yeah. fact leave your calling leave yeah. your vocation and follow me right yeah. every time you see the disciples called mm -hmm. in fact and i was thinking of peter peter right he literally is is fish a fisherman He's a wealthy fisherman. How do we know he's wealthy? He's got a wife. He, they, Jesus goes to his house. He owns property. He has a wife. His mother-in-law gets sick. Jesus miraculously heals her. She wakes up, starts serving everybody, right? So we know he had means or Peter would not have like owned boats and had a business and all this stuff. He, he was a businessman and he's sitting there and he goes, come, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men, right? And so he leaves his nets and goes, doesn't even do anything, right? And we have all these places too where Christ would call people and they go, well, can I go bury my father? Can I go handle this first? Can I, no, no, let the dead bury the dead, come follow me. And so it's like literally drop what you're doing and come. And then Peter's an interesting case because what does he do? So I'm, I'm, Christ says to him, on you, I'll build, my, on this rock, I'll build my church right? You're Peter, you're Petros, I will build my church, right? And then he goes and betrays Christ after saying he's never gonna, he's never gonna deny him. I'm never gonna deny you. Not and me, then he does. Man. And then he does. And then what does he do? He goes off, I'm gonna go fishing. I'm gonna go back to my nets and start fishing again. And then Christ calls him back, the restoration of Peter, right? The end of John, calls him back and says, hey, you need to know, like, do you love me? Feed my, feed my sheep. And he does it three times. And he said, well, what if this one, what is it to you if I call him to do this or that or whatever, right? He says, uh, of the other disciples, Christ says, what is it to you? I've, you do what I've told you to do. And so he, he then becomes the apostle Peter. And he, and he tried to run away from the calling, right? Jonah trying to run away from the calling of God. 
Um, there's just places all over the Bible. I'm just keep thinking of more. Sorry, but but no, that's that's a, probably the Holy Spirit working in yeah, you to bring there's, you to remembrance. There's those. You know, one thing to add to that is that, in particularly in, in, in for the case of, of Peter and Jonah and David, who I like to mention in a moment, the spirits at work in them. But even in the rebellion, even their uh, to pull a Joseph Campbell illustration about the hero, the hero's journey, they refuse the call and then they return to the call because they find that is the only way to proceed. So we got to only... bring it back to Luke Skywalker somehow, right? Somehow, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, see, now I got another reference in. This is a good episode for me. Uh, no, but in that, the spirits at work in them, that calling to which God has called them, he is faithful and just to fulfill in them. And we can look at David, right? Vocationally, he was a shepherd. I mean, all of his other brothers were fighting the war against the Philistines. So it was just he and his dad, and his dad was probably too old to wander the fields and care for the sheep. So it was David. And it was there that the prophet says, God, this is the pipsqueak that you want to go attack Goliath and rule the nation of Israel. God's like, he's my man. That's how God speaks, you know. Yep. That's how he talks but to David, me. Exactly. That was David's vocation. Now, granted, he was a younger man than some of the other apostles and other characters that we meet, though I would argue Timothy was probably pretty young when Paul met him. Um, there's a sense of David was doing everything right and proper, right? He was given a job at an early age. He didn't say, gee, dad, I don't want to be a shepherd. I think God's called me to something greater. Well, his dad probably would have laughed at him and said, yeah, probably, but this is your job for now. I mean, his dad forgot who he was when they were trying <laughs> to figure out who to anoint king. Oh, yeah, I got that other son over there. So I don't think his dad was like, yeah, you're probably called to something bigger. It's like, no, man, he's in the field. He's in the shepherd. He's a shepherd. I don't even remember I had that son. Just hilarious. Well, it's probably because the other sons were more like football players and he was like a yeah. soccer player. So he's a kicker. Baseball, you know. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, but eventually David becomes a big strap and hero. Um, it's amazing what happens with a good diet and exercise does for you. Um but anyway, I'm, I'm just elaborating. I mean, upon you just follow David's story too. I mean, Seriously. mighty man, right? He served Saul. Yeah. He, he, he's serving the guy who he's supposed to replace. And the guy he's serving is trying to kill him repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And he's, he barely escapes death. How many times? Yeah. I mean, this is all, all these things had to take place for him to become king. So it's well, like, here, let, let's elaborate. So yeah. for instance, when Saul is trying to kill David, David just doesn't cause a rebellion and just off Saul because God told David, yeah. I have a proper order of things. He told Israel, I have a proper order of things. And David is faithful to that. David understands the call which has been given to him. He understands God is holy and I am not. God has a structured order of things. Who am I to rebel yeah. against that? And it's funny because David follows that for a good long while until Bathsheba and makes a proper good mistake um, and then makes up several other mistakes uh, later on in life. But for a while, he runs the race well, does he not? Because he understands God's glory and understands God's structured order of things and how to fulfill that in your day-to-day -day life, how that fulfills his calling. Because he said, God told me I was going to be king. That's great. I wish we could have that kind of illumination for our careers. He's like, yeah. but God will put me in that position. But until then, I know I cannot kill Saul because that would be breaking God's commands to me already. Yeah. 
but God promised this to me. So God will work it out. God also anointed Saul, right? And so what's interesting is David, as a case study, is Mm -hmm. so interesting because he he not only understands the calling he has, he -hmm. understands the calling of Saul. He understands what anointing means. And a lot of people get anointed, right? And I, I use that, you know, we, we hear that buzzword in Christian culture as well. Oh, I'm anointed to do this thing. Well, so was somebody else, right? And just because you are anointed to do something doesn't mean you get to take the place of God's already anointed person. Sometimes you have to be second chair. Sometimes you have to, you know, work under people mm-hmm. in order to develop what God wants to do in you in and through you later. And so yeah. uh, David's a great example of that. Like he knows that he's called to do something. He also understands the anointing of God is powerful. He was anointed, but he also anointed Saul. And until God removes Saul, it's not my place of authority. And mm-hmm. that there's a great lesson as well, because a lot of people come in to um situations you know especially like well i'm 22 years old and i just got out of college why am i not ceo i'm called to be ceo you're called to live faithfully where god has planted you yeah. and uh, regardless right so um those are great examples anything else come to mind as far as caricatures or rather characters yeah we're not we're not caricaturizing caricaturizing wow that's a word yeah, that's not it's a word. hard to say yeah it is hard to say characterizing uh true characters right we're just talking about true characters that's Real a people. total tangent i Real don't people. know i don't have um, i don't have more thoughts of where to go so ben you have thoughts <laughs> uh yeah well i mean i know we're getting close to finishing up and i just haven't quoted scripture verbatim well that's yet. a good thing to do huh. So I would like you to do that. It's not fair because I had scripture passages prepared for this. Go ahead. Um, but in Galatians, um, he's Paul is exhorting the church for chastising them because of being stupid, as is often the case in the epistles. I don't know anything about stupid people in church. Never Seriously. Mm-mm, never heard of it. Um, Galatians is full of it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's going to be a little off topic a little bit, but I'll, I'll find a way after I read it. So in uh, chapter five, Verse 13, he says, For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then I'm just skip to 16. But I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to one another, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against thing, such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become one conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is one of the, that's what we get to see. That it's the foretaste of a lot of the prophets and apostles and kings of Israel, so that they, they get a foretaste of the Spirit. They are anointed with the Spirit in many ways, 
but that's the beautiful thing of the new covenant is that this, the full spirit is poured out on all people who come to Christ. This is the great joy we have is that we don't have to try and figure out how to live a godly life because we've been given the whole Old Testament, both with the law and also the writings to see what folly looks like. We can use David as that great example of this is what godliness looks like and this is what not godliness looks like all encapsulated in one man. Then we can turn to Christ, the true heir of David, the, the true king of Israel, right? And we can say, this is godliness. This is the full encapsulation of what a man ought to be. Or uh, for our sisters listening, you know, for what godliness looks like, pure and simple, what humanity is wrapped up, proper and pure. We have the exhortations of the epistles of what godliness looks like and what godlessness looks like just like the passage i just read that is our true calling that is our desire that is our hope and that is our confidence and our comfort is that the spirit has crucified these things the the, the works of the flesh on the cross with christ and by the power of the spirit we have these we have the fruits of the spirit peace love joy kindness self-control yada yada all the good stuff that's our hope. That's our comfort in the day-to-day -day walk. So whether or not we are fulfilling this great vocation that is set in our hearts, whatever we have been called to, whatever we are doing at the moment, whether you think it's your calling or not, God's given us every means to enjoy it because through it, we enjoy him because the spirit is at work in us. That's beautiful. That's exciting. Because that means during this pandemic, I should have no complaints. Ultimately, I can complain saying, like, God, this is just rough and I don't like it. But in the ultimate sense, in the final analysis, there's nothing to complain about because I am in Christ. And Christ has me and he is at work in me. That's the greatest vocation I could ever have. Is that I am fulfilling the things that God has said into my heart. That is pursuing him that is loving him that is manifested in my care for my brothers and sisters and loving my neighbors loving the enemy which is an awful difficult thing to do but this is a this this is part of the amazing thing of the uppercase c calling is that it gives us peace when we don't know what our lowercase c calling is or if we can't accomplish the lowercase c calling uppercase c calling is amazing and it is reassuring when we are fulfilling it because it's not just us who's fulfilling it. It's Christ at work in us that accomplishes it. Yeah. So, so I want to, I want to use um, one more example from the mm -hmm. new Testament of someone who is not a pastor, someone who's not an apostle uh, and what did this man do for a living? What was his, what was his vocation? And um, this was actually what I read this morning. Uh, so I guess uh, apropos from the Lord, mm -hmm. but um, this is the beginning of Acts 10. And you will find all these little characters all over the Bible. They're given little asides and they're just ordinary folks. 
They don't have big narratives like David or Moses or Peter. They're just ordinary people. And they get a few verses here or there in the scripture. So let's talk about Cornelius. Mm. Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he, started, he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And I have that underlined in my Bible now. Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner. So another aside, there was a guy named Simon who was a tanner who served the apostle Peter. And he gets mentioned. Whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants, a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Right. So we have this man who served the Roman Empire as unto the Lord. He was a centurion. Centurion meant a century. Meant He basically was an overseer of about 100 men. He had 100 men that he was in charge of. And it's the, the scripture says... He was a devout man who feared God with all his household and gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. That's what the scripture says about him. The fact that what he did for a living was pretty irrelevant, except that he was a man who had some amount of authority in the Roman Empire. But he was a centurion. He was a soldier. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't he wasn't an artist. He, did, he didn't have some big thing, right? We had, mm-hmm. He was just a guy who did his job, served the men who were clearly not Christians, right? I can probably extrapolate with all certainty that the, the men who were, uh, that, that he served as a centurion were probably um, not, not believing men. They were, you know, pagan Romans, And he still served those men with honor and dignity under the Lord. He was given recognition. He was respected. In fact, later on, um, it says that when when the men arrived and found Peter, uh, the Spirit tells Peter, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, the soldiers who served Cornelius said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to this house and to hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited them to be his guests, right? And and we're going to find out later Later on in the chapter, the reason that Cornelius, the the angel appeared to him, he had this vision, he goes and finds Peter, they bring him there, and then Peter is the first one to say, the Holy Spirit has come to the Gentiles, right? And, And 
we're all Christians because of that moment. Like if it wasn't for Cornelius, none of us would know who Jesus is. And he's not a, he's not an apostle. He's not anything. He's a guy who was a soldier in the Roman army and he served his position. Well, he did everything he did under the Lord. And so, you know, there are people all over the Bible who fit those categories. Luke, why mm -hmm. Luke was a, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. That's what he did. And yet he wrote two of the books in the Bible. And as another aside, there were 12 people who spent three years with Jesus. You know how many of them wrote anything in the Bible? Three. Three. So there were one who betrayed him, hung himself, right? Judas. But there were um, eight other men who spent three years being faithful, walking with Christ on earth every day saw miracles. The, the Bible says that they cast out demons. He sent, Christ sent them out two by two, and they did all these miraculous things under the power of Christ, right? That was imparted to them. And we don't know what these other eight guys did because it's not recorded. Like there's very little information about these men, and yet they were apostles, and we don't even know who they were. Like we, we know who they were by name, but we don't know anything about what they did in church history for the most very part. Little. Yeah. Very little. And so, it's about living faithfully as unto the Lord. And so let me read, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up and then you guys can, can make any uh, final thoughts you have. This is C.S. Lewis from The Weight of Glory. As unto the Lord, reject at once any idea which lingers in your mind of some modern people that, culture act, that cultural activities are in their own right spiritual and meritorious as though scholars and poets were in, intrinsically more pleasing to God than scavengers and boot blacks. Let us clear in forever from our minds the work of, of a Beethoven and the work of a chairwoman become spiritual on precisely the same condition, that of being offered to God, of being done humbly as to the Lord. This does not, of course, mean that it is for anyone a mere toss-up whether he should sweep rooms or compose symphonies. A mole must dig to the glory of God and a rooster must crow. We are members of one body, but differentiated members, each with his own vocation. Why didn't we just read C.S. Lewis earlier? <laughs> he's he's so good at putting things so well praise god praise god yeah god god often leads individuals to specific callings and specific things that he wants them to do with their lives living faithfully as a christian comes first and that might lead to be to a pause in to, or a transition in the other vocation bits. And we ought to let those go when he says to let them go and to hold on to them when he says to hold on to them. But that's assuming faithfulness in the uppercase C calling. Often, perhaps here, perhaps not, not often, but perhaps, perhaps, if your lowercase c calling isn't making too much sense, perhaps you're not living out your uppercase c calling in the way that you should be. 
because God tends to not be super clear about minors when you're not living according to his majors. So with that challenge to follow God as best as you can by God's grace, um, we wish you, everyone who watches and listens to this uh, the best of God's grace. And Benjamin has a thought. I want to add one Go more ahead. thing. Can we reverse that as well? Yeah. If you are accomplishing your lowercase c calling, but you feel unfulfilled, perhaps because you're not fulfilling your uppercase c calling. Yeah, man, that's good. Because sometimes mm. it's it's not because, as you were saying, sometimes it's because God hasn't revealed the lowercase c calling or we're not content uh, in uppercase c calling, which is absolutely true and accurate. Other times people say, I've done it. I've done everything I set out to do. What's missing? God is. Yeah. That's what's missing. And so, Solomon. And, uh, yeah, Solomon. I just want to, I want to grab everyone we can who may be listening to that. Yeah. Just, that's it, man. I mean, that's Solomon. Everything's going to burn. Yeah. Everything is vanity. And so mm. it's like what, um, who's the famous Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey saying, I wish everyone would get exactly what they wanted. So they would find out exactly how unfulfilling it is. Mm-hmm. And, and cause he did right. Yeah. And, and he, he's not a happy person. So that, you know, this epitome of, I want cultural success. I want, I want to be known. Um, and I think we're going to talk about that in another mm-hmm. episode, this having to have a platform, having to be known, having to feel like we accomplished something. You know what Christ said, the, like, like what the apostle Paul said, living a quiet, peaceful life is a great accomplishment. If you do it as unto the Lord, right? Yeah. Anything done unto the Lord is on its own merit, completely satisfying to God and is satisfying to the person doing the work. There is so much dignity and hard work. There just is a lot of people, the happiest people on earth come home stinking to high, high heavens. Right. So I just want to, I want to just say that line again from CS Lewis, modern people believe that cultural activities are in their own right, spiritual and meritorious. And they're not, they are not. The only thing spiritual and meritorious is living a life to the glory of God. So I think that's been, this has been a great discussion, guys. I'm grateful for it. I think it's been an awesome topic, great episode. We covered a ton of ground as I knew we would, and we ran long, but Oh, well, incredible thoughts in there. Thank you for your insights. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this. And we will see you all on the next episode. Um, And we wish you go in peace, serve the Lord.